You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This this is the Blue Horseshoe with your host, George Brummer and Ryan Hickey. So one thing I want to run by George is this. The Colts, it's going to get lost. And I'm not trying to, again, turn this into positive. It's embarrassing, but it goes just back to the, the frustrating part of you can't really have any nice things this year. Colts scored 36 points. Their season high. The first half, they scored 33 points. For the most part, they're clicking. They get a few breaks from the, from the Vikings for sure, but the Colts are also making their own luck. They're looking solid. And the second half, you have the Colts. When you're up 33-0, they totaled the rest of the game 104 yards of total offense, three points, and look at what Minnesota did. When you're up 33-0 after that stop where the defense gets you off the field pretty quick, you start the second half. This is what Minnesota did in the second half to finish the game. Touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. Interception, interception, touchdown. Downs, touchdown. Punt, punt. As we know, field goal there to, to walk it off. And I will say this, George. The Colts, too, they, they forced three turnovers. They won the turnover battle, which I got to look. This has to be the first, second time this year they won the turnover battle, 3-1, to one, which is insane. Insane more than they lost the game, too. But the, the, you know what the frustrating part, too, is when you lose this game? They got two major, massive breaks from the referees where I think it's a little bit less debatable the Michael Pittman Jr. fumble, scoop and score, because you heard the whistle, and then the ball came out. I know it's one of those frustrating things where you're still fighting for yards. Maybe I wouldn't have blown the whistle, but either way, the forward progress being stopped, it's hard to argue. But then the, the fumble that should have been returned for the touchdown that should have changed the entire game around, you get that wiped off the board, a second touchdown possibly for the for the Vikings defense, taken off the board, and then you still find a way to lose. It's unbelievably bad, George, how the Colts found a way to lose this game off of their best offensive performance of the season, at least in the first half, I defensively couldn't get a stop. Offensively couldn't really get much going. And I said, even had the referees on your side, still didn't matter at the end. Nope. No, I mean, everything about it. Like I said, the special teams are the only people I'm letting off the hook. Special teams had a really good day. Uh, blocked punt, got a touchdown, five field goals. Uh, give them credit uh, for coming out and, and playing well. Everybody else, it's historically bad. I mean, that's... You look at the numbers uh, in every way, it's historically bad. And again, the defense to me, it's, it's, it's really hard to fathom how you go from the first half as dominant as they were to the second half, you know, not really being able to, to just get one more stop uh, would have won this game. You know, it, it, comparable a little bit to the Baltimore game last year, 
Obviously, that was not as big a comeback, but the fourth quarter of that game, uh, pretty much very similar to what was going on here, where you just need one defensive stop right down to needing a stop on a two-point conversion, and that would save you, uh, and you're not able to get it done. I do think part of it is early in the game, for whatever reason, uh, Minnesota was testing Gilmore and, and trying to force the ball to, to Jefferson. And in the second half, they really started to spread the ball around a lot more. And I think that was a big factor uh, in, in them being able to have a lot more success. But that to me is just unfathomable. That big of a swing in one game to watch that defense in the first half. And people go back and watch the tape of this even years from now are not going to believe it. To watch what this defense did in the first half versus the second half, I can't remember a swing like that it, that I've seen in a game I've watched before. And George, I was texting you at halftime or the early second half because we were talking about it on the Steelers preview pod how I thought that was going to be the, the first Colts game where they won a, a game by double digits. Every other win they had so far this season, you had to sweat it out. So I thought, okay, this is going to be the first comfortable win. And you were saying that your prediction was this is going to be the game where Nash everyone's going to watch and appreciate how truly good this Colts defense is. Because you look at their record, they haven't really had a lot of primetime games up to that point when they played the Steelers a few weeks ago. The defense is underappreciated for how well they played. And you thought, that's going to be their breakout and this is going to be an easy Colts win. And we're texting, okay, we were, we were, you know, we were a few weeks off, right? This is the first comfortable of the year for the Colts in terms of national standalone game. And the defense for three and a half quarters was unbelievable, or two and a half quarters was unbelievable. Harassed the Vikings every which way. And as we know, like you mentioned, the, the turn happened as insanely um, and quicker than I ever could have, uh, ever could have ever envisioned. And so, uh, yet again, our predictions were wrong here. Two quick things before I want to throw you away, George, before we get out of here. Number one, WISH TV is reporting that John Taylor is leaving the game in a walking boot. We just talked about it a few minutes ago. No reason, zero reason to bring him back. Walking, uh, leaving in a walking boot. He's reported to have a high ankle sprain when he left the the game in the first quarter. I think it just confirms it, right, George? Like, there's you can't bring him back no matter what. No, now you might not physically be able to come back. You know, high ankle sprain is right. sometimes more than three weeks anyway. But there's no reason to push that. There's no. none whatsoever. Um, shut him down. I know it's it's a tough year for him, and and he's gonna fight that, I'm sure. Uh, but sometimes, like we said, sometimes you gotta save these guys from themselves. And the other thing I want to throw your way is because I was when the Colts were in the midst of just beating down the Vikings in the first half, I actually tweeted at Jim Harbaugh. At, I think it's Coach Jim for for UM. Make sure he's watching the game. Like you know, this is a, a job he interviewed for last year in the Vikings. They didn't give it to him, and now it's seen that I think for me, you know, in the Colts should be Jim Harbaugh should be the Colts number one candidate for the head coach. I was like, oh, Jim, hope you're watching. Look at this. There's some talent here, and you can just come in and kind of finish the job. Do you think – so we do have some, you know, people uh, on YouTube kind of saying, hey, hopefully Jim Mercy is calling John uh, Jim Harbaugh. I agree with that. Do you think this loss changes the way Jim Harbaugh would view the Colts? Or do you think, hey, the fact that they got out to a 30-month lane, maybe he looks at it and goes, the talent's there, but if you get a real head coach and not an ESPN analyst, maybe, you know, I could be the difference to closing this game out. Like, how do you think Jim Harbaugh – um, assuming he's interested in the Colts' job, which we believe he is at this point. There's no reason to believe he's not. How do you think he looks at this game uh, after what was an historic collapse? I think any coach would probably feel like they they would be able to, to handle. I mean, that that's you know you got to have a bit of an ego to to get to have the success that he's had, uh, and, and really to get to that level, you have you have to have a pretty strong belief in yourself. So I think probably every coach would look at it and feel like I would have handled the second half differently and I would have won the game. Uh, to me, it just underlines the frustrating part of this this team. I mean, you're looking at a football team this year that beat the Chiefs, that had the Eagles on the ropes, you know, right down to the final minutes, and then had a 33-point lead on Minnesota. That's three double-digit win teams, three division champions. All three of them have a real chance to be a top-two seed in their conference, 
and you're four nine and one, it speaks to the frustrations with this team. It speaks to the inconsistency with this team. My dog is jumping in now. He he's upset about this too. It that to me is is what's underlined by this. It's incredible how well this team can play at times against good competition, and then how poorly it can play at other times. Dallas game's another example. Three quarters there, you're right in it with another team that that a double digit win team. That's four games where you're either taking teams down to the wire or winning the game against some of the best teams in the NFL right now, and yet you're 4-9-1 and one and you're setting records like this, it's incredibly frustrating. I think that's why I don't think it's a – come back to bring this back to your original question. That's why I don't think it's it's going to really be that big of an effect on, on how head coaches view the team because it's it's not a new problem. It's it's just the, the latest, most aggressive symptom of, of what's affected this team all year long. I'm with you. I like the ego point as well, because like, I feel like you're right. Like when you are a Colts team that for the most part has gotten close in a lot of aspects and not going to be able to get over the hump. If you're a coach like Jim Harbaugh, let's say like you have to feel like, Oh, okay. You know what? I can be the guy to get this team like turned around. And when you see at least how close they are, they can't go over the hump. You have to feel like I could be the difference in getting this team over the hump and being a team like the Eagles, being to the Cowboys, closing out a 33 nothing lead against the Vikings. Like I think for how frustrating, how painful it is to have the Colts blow these leads and not be able to close out games against some of the best teams in the NFL. It could almost work as a benefit in a way when you're pitching a guy like Jim Harbaugh to come to Indy because it's, it's not like you're the Texans. It's not like you're the Texans where you're non-competitive, where you see how far away you are from everybody else. And it's like you have to jump through 10 hoops just to be able to get from bottom of the barrel to like mediocre. Like, like there's so many rungs to climb. Whereas if you are right now Jim Harbaugh, you say, well, they're competing. And again, that's a, I get that's a loser mentality because it's kind of like a, a participation award of, oh, they're playing hard. They're keeping it close. You're not winning. But I think a guy like Jim Harbaugh can look at that and say, I could be the difference in getting this team over the hump and turning a 4-9-1 and one team, which record-wise looks like crap, but there's actually some, you know, get them over. There's talent there where they are competing. They just don't want to close out games consistently. I could be the difference maker where you can win a third through enough of the game. You can beat the Eagles right now and give them their second loss of the season. You can take a two-point deficit in Dallas and forget about just losing third through enough in the fourth quarter, actually winning that game. So I'm I'm actually it's crazy to say. I think Jim Harbaugh kind of looks at this and is like more inspired in a way of saying, like, I can be the difference here. And this team, in terms of a turnaround, I was needing help at, at quarterback, left tackle. Like there's areas. Without a doubt, we're not saying this is a perfect roster manager stretch of magic. We've talked a ton already about all the areas they need to address, and we'll continue to talk about all the areas they need to address in the offseason. This team is not as far away as their record would indicate. That's what I think, and that's kind of the takeaway from this game for how historically bad it was. And I think it almost inspires and motivates a guy like Jim Harbaugh to say, you know what? The Colts, record-wise, not attractive, but what they, the play action on the field is a job where I think I could turn around relatively quickly. If they can just get out of their own way, right? I mean, that's been the key this this year. You can just uh, not make the simple mistakes. This time, it wasn't so much the offense turning the ball over. It was the big plays on defense. You know, allowing those long runs and, and the big plays that they allowed in the, in the second half. The comeback doesn't happen if you make Minnesota take the long route all the whole second half. You know what I mean? Uh, and it's been that simple with this team all along. Now, the, other, the flip side of this, I don't want to get into a long conversation now because I know we're wrapping up. But the flip side of this is does this, you know, we, we talked earlier about does the loss overall affect Chris Ballard's job security in a negative way? But do these four games where they've hung with some of the best teams in the NFL, is that reason for Jim Irsay to maybe say, no, I, you know, my belief in him is, is well-placed. This team is close. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out in the offseason. 
And especially for an emotional man, right? And Jim Mercer, who looks at this from a fan perspective more than a business perspective, I would say he'd be more frustrated and humiliated at like, oh, we can't cover the hump. I got to get someone else in. Then maybe be inspired by, oh, we're close. Uh, let's kind of, you know, run it back and see if we can get it over. Again, I think especially if you're going after Jim Harbaugh, the decision about Chris Ballard features in Jim Harbaugh's hands rather than, you know, in Jim Irsay's hands per se. But like that's, again, first and foremost, that's like right now the, the biggest thing the Colts could get. The guy that absolutely Colts should, you know, go after first and foremost. And I hope, I hope, that's all you can do after this. And that's the only way I'll put the cherry on top of this loss and put lipstick on a pig of a 33 nothing blown lead is hopefully this inspires Jim Harbaugh once Michigan season ends to kind of say, you know what, I'll be, I was a saving grace here at Michigan. Maybe I'll go back to the NFL and be the saving grace in a place I used to call home in Indy as well. So, George, I will say this is not the pod I thought we'd be doing. I thought we'd be doing a postgame pod about a loss to the Vikings. I still did not think we'd be doing a historic pod uh, talking about a loss to the Vikings. And I didn't think we'd be going live on Twitter because I didn't think there'd be enough people to actually care about a loss to the Colts with how the season has gone so far. So appreciate all of you listening, to, whether it's on Twitter, whether it's on YouTube. We appreciate you kind of joining us in the pain of watching the Colts lose 39-36 in overtime, blowing a 33 second, uh, 35th and second half lead, the largest blown lead in NFL history. Truly unbelievable. Truly did not think this house was going to spend most of my Saturday afternoon. That is for sure, George. I think you need another drink after, after watching that just awful performance. But if you're listening to us for the first time, this is the Blue Horseshoe Pod, Ryan Hickey, George Bremer. Welcome. We will be here the rest of the season, three pods a week. So make sure you check us out, the Blue Horseshoe Pod, wherever you do get your podcasts. Make sure you're following George on Twitter, who will be tweeting every single day. Does a great job covering the Colts, not just in the next three games, but folks, we got a very busy offseason for you. Head coaching search, quarterback uh, questions. We already started doing an early look ahead in terms of the draft. We'll be kind of profiling Anthony Richardson later this week on the Blue Horseshoe Pod and kind of talk to some scouts. So we'll get you set. And while we can't really look to anything towards the future of being uh, positive, or at least in the present, I should say, anything uh, in the present look towards positive, we will start to look for the future, try to find positives as well. So make sure you're checking George out on Twitter at GM Bremer. You can follow me at Ryan underscore Hickey number three. We will be back on Wednesday morning with another midweek pod. Still probably, George, honestly, pick up the pieces from this historic loss. Maybe we'll have a firing. Who the hell knows? Maybe we'll have a Jim Mercy Mercy press conference. I have no idea what to expect between now and Wednesday morning. That's for sure. But it should be eventful. It should be eventful. That's for sure. No, there's no doubt. Uh, it's never dull around here. I mean, you can say a lot of things. It's never boring, uh, even in the midst of a 4-9-1 season. That is for sure. So, again, appreciate all of you who join us here on this live edition of the Blue Horseshoe Podcast. Make sure you download, subscribe, wherever you do get your pods. And we'll talk to you on Wednesday right here on the Blue Horseshoe Podcast.